Hey everybody, this is uh, Will Barker coming at you with the third episode of A History According to Us. Um, on the last episode, we covered the novel De Dawn by Eli Wiesel. It was the second episode covering this trilogy. Um, and the last episode was a little different, um, given the, the current state of things with the coronavirus and still having being under the stay-at-home order. I am still not being able to be joined by my co-host Rob, my brother. However, I would like to have it be known very early on in this episode that I do have a special guest present with me. His name is Bear, and he is my six-month-old chocolate lab. So if you hear any scratching or or anything odd that, that sounds seems a lot of the ordinary, that's just him playing around. Um, so don't be alarmed and don't think that you're hearing things. Just want to make sure that we all know that I do have a co-host today. He's just a little cuter and cuddlier. Um, today's episode, it's episode three of the trilogy. Um, and it covers the final book in the series called Day. Day is also centralized around the same main character from the first or the second book and the first book. It's Eli. Um, however, it, it, it kind of falls in line with, with uh, Dawn as where um, the events aren't entirely real. They are, are um, kind of a, um, a way of, of the author expressing his emotions in a, in a, by telling a story. Um, and the, the interesting thing about Day is that um, not all of the events are made up. So basically... We find Eli in New York City in the beginning of the book, and he is with his girlfriend, and her name is Kathleen. Um, and very, very early on, you could tell that that Eli isn't very um, he isn't very affectionate. He he doesn't really show a whole lot of emotion towards Kathleen or or anything for that matter. Um, he's very distant and very very cold. Um, so they're they're going about their day in New York City. It's a, it's a date night basically, um, and he's talking about how he he changed Kathleen. Being with him has changed Kathleen, where Kathleen used to be very headstrong and stubborn and argumentative and would would try to be very strong in in her opinions and what she was trying to get across with Eli. Um, she was more defeated at this point. Um, and he was, he was realizing that in her. So as they're going through their date night, um, she, she proposes that they go to a movie and there's a quick little argument back and forth of what movie they should see. And finally, Eli gives in now, while they're on the way to the movie, they're talking and, you know, going back and forth like couples do and having a, a, what seems like a good time. And Kathleen starts crossing the street. And shortly after she crosses the street, there's an accident and Eli is hit by, by a taxi cab. Um, and Kathleen doesn't realize it at first. She turns around and sees a group of people, you know, huddled around and she had the sinking feeling in her stomach. She just knew. Um, and she ran up, kind of pushed through the crowd, um, and then realized that it was Eli. And that kind of sets up the whole, the whole story. Okay. Um, Dawn was was very similar in, in how it was set up. It was it was pretty much centralized over one small window of time. 
in Dawn, it was when he was waiting to execute the prisoner of war. In Day, it's when he's in a hospital bed. Now, he's rushed to a hospital. The first hospital that he's taken to turns him away because they pretty much think he's going to die and it's not worth their time. And then they take him to another hospital um, where he meets the surgeon who would eventually end up saving his life, Paul Russell. Um, So after a couple surgeries, Paul Russell saves Eli's life and he's teetering in between death and uh, life, basically. Um, Now, I want to go back and kind of discuss his relationship with Kathleen throughout the book. This, this kind of this, this theme comes back and comes back of, of Eli being incapable of actually loving, um, and specifically loving Kathleen because he, he feels like his real self was left in the past in the concentration camps, which is, is a, a really, when you think about that that kind of existence, he he is saying that he actually died in those camps and he's just a shell kind of going through existence and he doesn't have the capacity to to actually care for somebody else. And this is a this is a woman, this is an individual that is by his side. Um, in fact, when Eli finally starts coming to when he's in the hospital, um, Paul, the doctor, uh, Paul Russell comes in and, is, and, and says, you know, Hey, Kathleen is an extraordinary, extremely extraordinary, very charming woman. Um, and he kind of just tells him that, you know, and this whole time, this whole time that Paul Russell's kind of probing Eli, Eli keeps saying, I feel like he knows, I feel like he knows. Um, and we don't really know what he's talking about at that point, what Eli thinks that Paul Russell knows, but Paul Russell is talking about how great Kathleen is. And while he's talking about how great Kathleen is, he lets Eli know that she's in in the hallway and she has been there multiple times to see him. Um, yet Eli still can't really get, get past that. He can't really let himself open up because of how traumatic um, his experiences were. So as he's going through and he's going through this recovery, he starts talking about you know, things that he saw in the past. And one of the things that he mentioned that was, it's almost as if he's teetering between dream and reality and flashbacks. And, and, you know, you don't know, it it was kind of hard to follow along because you don't know where he kind of where the timeline adds up until you like kind of understand the story that he's getting at where it's a full picture. Um, So he's talking about how he's sitting in front of this guy and this guy's eating just a slab of meat with no bread. And Eli was a young boy and he was he was sitting there just like hoping the guy would notice him. So he would give him a piece. And then the next day, Eli saw the the that guy hanging um his like uh his fellow Jews or fellow prisoners hung him because the meat that he was eating was human flesh. Um and and Eli kind of it, it freaked him out because he was sitting there like begging for a piece of that meat, and he had no idea it was human. So he kind of thought about 
the last thing the guy said, he, he said before they hung him, he goes, um, well, I like, I, I didn't do any harm. He was already dead, which just kind of shows the desperation in that moment. But it also, it, it kind of brings back a whole nother, a whole nother, um, platform of, of humanity in, like a layer of humanity in all of it. Because Eli, even though he was, he was desperate in that moment to eat, he, he realized how messed up it was that this guy was eating human flesh and was like, holy crap, that was almost me that I was waiting. If he would have looked up, I would have been eating that too. So these are all things that, that he kind of, Eli kind of teeters in between, um, in between like consciousness and, and, you know, kind of going back and forth and, and it kind of like, it's, it's not so much consciousness that he's teetering in between, but it's like, he's trying to justify why he can't love or why he's not able to love the entire time. He, he brings up these issues or these, these events that happened or, you know, things like of that nature that, that show him why he doesn't believe why he questions God um, at one point he, 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 um, you know, he, he continues to question God is the whole thing. And I almost just spoiled the next topic, which is his relationship with another character in the story, um, which comes about because he utters this name. It's the only thing he said while he was unconscious after his surgery. Um, at some point, Kathleen had asked him, who Sarah was. It was the first line of the chapter. And I was like, did I miss something? I kind of went back and I was like, did I, what, what happened? You know, like, did I, did I skip a page or, um, so Kathleen asks, who is Sarah? And Eli immediately answers that that was his mother's name. And Kathleen says, Oh, cause that was the only thing that you said while you were unconscious. You just asked for Sarah. And, um, Eli kind of quick on his feet. He keeps saying he needs to get better at lying and he's quick on his feet with a lie. And he says that Sarah was his mother's name and that when he was younger, he was told that if, when he died, he didn't announce himself as Eli son of Sarah, that he wouldn't be able to get into heaven. So he had this, this fear since he was a kid that if he forgot his mother's name, that he wouldn't get into heaven which is a pretty, pretty outlandish lie. Cause you know who, I don't know many people that have forgotten their mother's name. Um, but anyways, she, uh, Kathleen believed it, but Eli goes on to tell us the reader who Sarah actually was. So when Eli was in Paris after the concentration camps, he met this woman, he was at a coffee shop and, he kind of noticed that she was looking at him and he was looking at her and he thought she was cute. And you know, the vibe that he was getting was that she thought he was cute. So she approaches him and, and you know, they make super small talk and very abruptly and quickly. Sarah asks Eli if she wants to make love. So at first he says no, because this would be the first woman he ever made love with. So he was kind of like, this isn't right. You know, I, I shouldn't do this. So at first he says no, but then finally they end up going back to her hotel. So while they're at her hotel, Eli kind of gets this feeling and he starts questioning what exactly is happening. 
and he starts just asking the girl, who, who are you? Who are you? And she, she meets that immediately with resistance where she's like, why, why does it matter? Do you not want to make love to me? Why does it matter? And, and Eli is like, no, 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 no. Like I, I still want to make love with you. Like I want to, I want to do that still, but like, I just want to talk first. I want to know who you are. And she kind of gets a little angry, like not even a little angry. She kind of gets irate where he's, he's describing her as, as a mad woman. Um, and she's like, well, why don't you want to make love to me? Is it cause I'm not a 12 year old girl? Cause that's what they did. And she's kind of going off on him. And that's where it kind of comes out of her background story. And Sarah was also in the concentration camps, but she was used by the SS or the officers, whatever you want to call them. She was used by them as a present. I think the exact verbiage was special present. And she described it as a scene where she, along with like five, six, seven other women were in this room and basically being picked. And she was the youngest. She was 12 years old. And there was another woman who was there with her that was pleading with this officer not to, to take Sarah as her special present because she was so young. Um, and sadly enough, the, the woman that was pleading with this officer had lost a daughter in that concentration camp that was around the same age as Sarah. So that like just thinking of how painful that must have been for that woman. But so in, in a kind of like a like a last Hail Mary, um, the woman that's trying to protect Sarah takes off all her clothes to kind of like offer herself up in Sarah's place. And not only did that woman do it, but the other women who are also older in the room did it as well, almost to say, hey, you could have any one of us. Just leave her alone. She's a little girl. Leave her alone. But unfortunately... He, the officer was set on having his quote unquote special present. And Sarah goes on to, to explain that this wasn't a one-time occurrence and it wasn't a one officer occurrence. It was something that continued and continued. Um, and she basically, as she's talking to Eli about this, she's talking about it as if she's the lowest kind of low, almost like she's referring to it almost as if it's her fault. That it's who she is. Um, and Eli is, he, he says, you're a saint. That's who you are. You're a saint. It wasn't your fault. You're a saint. And that made her even, you know, more irate to the point where Eli just had to leave. Eli left. And then weeks after that, he tries to find her and find her and find her. And he can't. Never found her again. And that was that. The significance of that is the verbiage and the feelings that Sarah was expressing to Eli, Eli, years later, expressed those to Kathleen and to his his, his uh, friends that would come see him, the, his friends that he was close with, um, and to the reader. Um, at one point, there's a scene, real quick scene, where... Paul Russell is is angry with Eli. He's saying, "Why, you know, why don't you want to live?" Blah, blah blah blah. And Eli doesn't really respond to him, but Eli tells us why he's not afraid of dying. And there was a whole section of the story where um, Eli is told 
by one of his friends, his friend that actually introduced him to Kathleen, that he's a saint. And the way he finds out about this isn't through his friend. Kathleen, after they met, asked Eli, she goes, you know, you know what? You know what he thinks about you? You know what your friend thinks about you? You know what he calls you? You know how he described you to me? And Eli goes, I, I don't know. What, like, what? And he kind of brushes it off. He's like, ah, what? And she tells him, you're a saint. He thinks you're a saint. And Eli kind of says, I'm, he laughs at it. And he's it's like, I'm not, I'm not a saint. Are you crazy? I'm not a saint. And then he says, all, all the saints that I know are dead. They all died. And the people that lived are the ones that have to live with all of that. That doesn't make me a saint. And it kind of it kind of goes back to um, into ooh, how he was like justifying how he was going through the motions of life and empty. It was very very um, it ran very parallel with Dawn, so it, it made it a very like seamless sequel where. Eli still just just didn't have a place. He didn't he didn't have he didn't know who he was. He he felt like a shell of a human being and he he felt like he died amongst the people that 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 he saw die. So he he didn't feel very lucky and therefore he didn't really care if he lived or died. In fact, he almost welcomed it. And I would even go as far as saying he fully welcomed it. Throughout the story, he he alludes to Paul Russell knowing his secret. And he alludes to Kathleen knowing his secret. And his friend Eula comes in towards the end. And his friend Eula is, is a very brash Hungarian guy who's loud and, you know, just doesn't care and says whatever he wants. And... He, he keeps asking his friend Eula, he's like, do you want to know? Do you want to know? And Eula's like, no, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. And Eli's referring to his secret. And it comes up that Eli saw the cab coming when he stepped in front of it. He told everybody that he didn't see it, that it blindsided him, but he saw it. And he saw it speeding and he walked in front of it because he welcomed death because of how empty his his traumatic past had left him. Even though he escaped the concentration camps, he didn't really escape. He didn't really get out of there. There was a part of him that was still there and there was a part of that place and what he saw that he carried with him every day. So it was really heavy. A lot of... uh, 90% 90% of the of the story was real heavy. There was multiple times where I I had to put the book down. Day day definitely made me feel a lot of feelings and none of them were nice. Um however, there was there was a bright spot and it was it came at the very end. It was about the last two or three pages, you know, Eli finally confesses this. He confesses it to the reader. He confesses it to Eula. And Eula tells him he, he needs to let go of of the dead. He needs to let go of what happened to him because that 
the dead are the ones that aren't able that aren't lucky enough to be able to live and love and and feel the things that they feel and eula tells him he's like man and so he doesn't actually say man but in so many words he's like hey you have a great girl kathleen he asks him he goes is she gonna take care of you is she gonna is she gonna you know help you get healthy because you can't walk you're on crutches when you get out of here so is she gonna take care of you and 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 Eli says, yeah. And he's like, do you love her? And he was like, yeah. So Eula almost pleads with his friend. He's like, let go of the dead. Let let him go and and let yourself love and be happy and move on. And it was it was something that I did not expect. I, I really didn't know how the book was going to end. I really didn't know how the trilogy was going to wrap up. Because quite honestly, every single one of the books were not happy whatsoever. And not that I expected them to be happy, but they 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 took an emotional toll for sure. Reading them brought a lot of emotions out that just felt awful. So it was it was really nice to kind of wrap it up and and see how it is that that survivors were able to move on and live. Because this this even though this story was fabricated Mostly, not all of it was fabricated, but mostly fabricated. Dawn and Day weren't entirely true stories, but they they were along the path of how many people got to the point where they were able to let go and move on from what they had, had dealt with and what they went through, the horrors that they saw. So it was it was a little reassuring that after all the doom and gloom and crap that these poor people were subject to, after all the horrors that they had to see, they were able to find, or at least this individual and many others were able to find a way to let it go, or at least let it not bury them, and move on and, and love and and live the rest of their lives. And and Eli Wiesel did that. He He died... I believe it, it was the early 2000s. So he he lived a long life. And reading these stories definitely made me feel closer to him. And it made me feel closer, or at least understand, the full picture of what the Holocaust was. And how much further it went than just the war and just the concentration camps. And I hope that that's what anybody who's listening to these episodes or anybody who has listened to these episodes was able to get out of this. Um, that's my main goal when discussing these important events. It, it goes beyond the event itself. There's a ripple effect, and I think it's important that everybody understands that um, throughout history. So with that being said, this wraps up the trilogy, um, the night trilogy. This is the end of episode three. We discussed Day by Eli Wiesel. Hopefully we'll be back um, after the stay-at-home order is up and we'll be able to get back on track with my co-host Rob and I. Um, so keep uh, keep a lookout for Episode 4, guys. Thanks. Bye.